So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I did it. Okay. Oh, welcome to Feature Creep. <laughs> Built-in microwave. Uh, semicolon. Semicolon. Yeah. Third wheel on a shitty ice cream date. More tales from abroad. <laughs> I don't think right? you're allowed to call them that anymore. Tales from abroad? Is that a, like a bad saying? No, I just think they don't like to be called broads. Oh. Well. Bad joke. We just wah, won't wah. tell them. We just won't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> we just won't uh, say it to their face. Yeah, we just won't say it to their face. Uh, no, seriously, abroad as opposed to abroad. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> one word as opposed to two. One word as opposed to two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the place, not the person, mm-hmm. not the not the proverbial human. Um, right. Yeah. You're listening to Feature Creep Built-In Microwave. And yes. uh, if you want to complain to us already about how off topic we are, you can reach us. Um, <gasps> Well, by way of someone else, you can't. Yeah, yeah, not directly. directly. Definitely not directly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can email our CEO and founder and uh, former executive assistant, Dana. Yes. She's at D-A-N-A at F-C-B-M dot I-O. Yes. Which, if you're a deductive type thinker, stands for feature creep built in microwave. Yes. Dot I-O. Dot I-O, right. (laughs) We do not have a hotline or a 1-800 phone number. No. Although I've thought about like if we ever had enough, um, if we had interest and people wanted to do like a live show, we could probably set up a phone line that people could call and we That'd could That'd be so fun. You can just call us. Yeah. Well, we did that interview with uh, Wind when she called and just like talked That's from true. her phone. Although yeah. I have to say like the sound quality on that is tough. It's tough to listen to. Well, like, but not everything is a success. Not everything is a success. Yeah. That doesn't mean we you shouldn't sh- try. You shut your mouth. Everything has been amazing. We've done everything. Everything right. is perfect. Yeah. Everything is working out just fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh-huh. what does it mean to be the third wheel on a shitty ice cream date? Um, well, you tell me, my friend, because I think this happened to you very recently when you were abroad, not a. a Abroad, but yeah. abroad, as in traveling to a yeah. foreign country, <laughs> yes. Germanlandia. In Germanlandia, um, mm-hmm. I, yeah. So, I, I also want to put it in the context of like when I sent this topic to you, it was pretty funny because we had been talking about um something entirely unrelated, and I was like, oh shit, I gotta go, like, go see some friends. Like, I have, a, you know, I have a social engagement. I'm. Right. Yeah, we were chatting to. or whatever. And you're like, gotta go, gotta yeah. go do this thing. And I was like, okay, have fun. And you're like, I'm leaving Germany going away party. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I just out of the blue, I'm like, hey, here's a topic. Third wheel on a shitty ice cream date. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, what's happening? What is this like the worst situation? Which is funny <laughs> because uh, you're not wrong for assuming that considering I was like, I'm going off to this nebulous thing to meet some unknown amount of people to do a thing right. that I haven't I was told like, you much oh, about. Lord. What yeah. extemporaneous thing has occurred? But, or contemporaneous, I guess. But not no, no, it was not. Uh, it, yeah, contemporary. Yeah, it was not. Um, it was not terrible. It was actually really great. But I, there was some debate after dinner about whether we go 
to the fancy ice cream, like the Italian gelato place. But there were some dissenters who were like, actually, I'd prefer to just go get the like. Basically, he was like, well, apparently it's shitty ice cream, like down the street, you know, from like a like a pink berry or something like, you know, kind of yeah. a, like a frozen yogurt sort of or just sort of like a, you know, a chain ice cream store. Yeah. And, um, and then his wife or I don't know if it was his wife. I think maybe it doesn't really matter. Someone else was like, oh, I'll go with you. And then I was like overhearing this. I was like, I like ice cream, but like, I don't know that I will appreciate the like most fanciest gelato over say mm-hmm. like you know some other ice cream right and, sure. um, i mean i do but so i was like oh i want to third wheel it and then that's when i thought of the third wheel on a shitty ice cream date because the, I I, the date because isn't the sh- shitty sh- it's the ice cream it's the ice shitty. cream yes i see i yeah. see so um yes <laughs> so uh yeah so it was actually it was great um and after i caught your text after i left you in like uh in suspense. a you know like probably almost an hour of suspense of like what the fuck is happening to ned yeah um and then i was like oh oh no 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 it's all good everything's I fine was like, just how the this, ice cream is shitty the date you, is good like, last night in town and them wanting to say goodbye to you before you left turn into you being the third wheel on a <laughs> shitty, ice cream, shitty ice cream date i was like yes. what has gone or this is off the rails yeah well um, those of you who know me, uh, that seems like the kind of environment that I would, that seems the kind of situation that I would somehow manage to like endear myself to. And like all mm-hmm. of the choices in the evening, it's like, you can go here and do this. And then like one of them is the shitty third w- or the, the third wheel on a shitty ice on cream shitty date. Ice and I was like, date. Oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have a hundred percent taken the gelato. I love it, gelato. And and we did, and it was good. Like okay. the we did not go. Um, actually, we did both. Like I got to third oh. wheel on a shitty ice cream date, and also do the nice. the gelato. Because when did we you went get to, the, to compare them side by side, then um, I did not because I only had the gelato. So what happened oh. was we ended up um, we went to the gelato store, and it was closing, and um, and so then. As in many things in Germany, there was like an indoor and an outdoor and the indoor was closed, but there were still some people at the counter buying ice cream and Mm -hmm. no one else was willing to just be like, let's go in the outdoor. But then I saw some other people go in the outdoor and I was like, well, I'm just going to go in the outdoor and get some ice cream. This is my last night. So I just like walked in there and got some ice cream, got some gelato and they were very polite about no one. And the Germans behind the counter were not upset at me for going in the outdoor. So I suspect that it was more just like. They were getting ready to close down at the hour, but it was not the hour yet. Um, yeah. And so then everybody else in the group just kind of was like, well, we live here, so like we're not going to bother. But then then they were like, oh, but we still want ice cream. So then we ended up going to get the shitty the ice cream, shitty but I didn't cream. have any of it because I was not, I was already eating the good ice cream, so, or the gelato. And yeah. it was, it was very good. It was excellent. I had, um, I can't remember the name of it, but basically like it's not vanilla. It's just sort of like cream flavored, wow. like sort of. Um, and then I had a like a strawberry or strawberry. No, I had a raspberry gelato mm, mix in with chocolate chips. Sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, super fucking good. <clears throat> I really love gelato a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love the texture of it. It's so nice. I could eat. I could eat endless amounts of it. There's a. There is a similar setup down the block from my house. We have a a new restaurant called the Dream Creamery. 
and it's at the end of my alleyway and then like half a block down at the next nearest intersection is Mm -hmm. like the Dairy Queen and everybody loves fucking Dairy Queen right but it's not Dream Creamy like if you go to Dream Creamy they're like that's $14 for a pint of ice cream (laughs) and you're like I'm gonna pay it but god damn it yeah um, you know, and then you n- never let anyone have more than one bite of that ice cream at a time because you're right. like, that was like 50 cents worth of ice cream you just ate, right. you know, because yes. you're all paranoid about how expensive it is yeah, and how it's not going to last because it's mm-hmm. fucking phenomenal. And so they have all these different, uh, what is it? They have one ice cream called Cajeta, which is like made from goat's milk custard. Oh, interesting. Oh, fuck. It's good. It's got ice cream in it. The texture is divine. It reminds me a lot of gelato, but yeah. it's not gelato. It's actually ice cream. So I that means I think that the ice crystals in it are a different like size. size. Shape. Mm. What's the difference between ice cream and gelato? We're looking it up right now. Uh, I don't want to get this wrong. I used I'll to know this, but I think it has more to do with like I. Th- uh, it has to do with like the base for it. Um, but it, gelato is just the common word in Italian for all kinds of ice cream. Um, in English, though, it specifically means frozen dessert of Italian origin. Um, but other than that, like I, th- I mean, now that I'm reading, skimming through the Wikipedia article, all of the pretentious, pretentious assholes who are like gelato is different. Fuck you guys, you're wrong. Um, I guess I'm with the pretentious people. I think there's like a huge textural difference. Uh, no, I mean, I like. I think that oftentimes in America, when the yeah. adverti- when it's advertised as gelato, oh. that means a thing. But the fact that you can't call ice cream gelato, you're wrong. Like not mm-hmm. you in particular. I just mean like, like the fact that you know from anyway, it doesn't matter. So the uh, Food Network says yeah. that gelato and ice cream are very similar because they contain the same ingredients. But they come from two unique cultural traditions, and furthermore, it contain different amounts of milk fat. Yes. So gelato so, is richer and denser than American ice cream. Yeah, it's often like gelato much richer, yeah. is like considered to be more elastic, so it like has a gloopier texture than ice cream, mm-hmm. and ice cream is milkier and creamier than gelato. So right, um, like gelato uses more milk and less cream than ice cream, and doesn't usually put in egg yolks, so it's not a custard base. Yeah, it's often not a custard base, although ice cream doesn't have to be a custard base, but it is often yeah. a custard base. I think, um, wait, I think what you're saying is the butter fat is higher in gelato than it is in, in sort of American style ice cream. Um, gelato uses more milk and less cream. Oh, so ice it's cream less... uses more cream and less milk. Oh, so the butter fat is actually higher in ice cream then. Y- yes. So the uh, ice cream has to be at least 10% butter fat. Oh, gotcha. And okay, and gelato is often of, below that. Yeah, and in America, most ice creams in the USDA regulations say this is why like soft serve is not ice cream because it doesn't have a high enough milk fat content. Right. So USDA, this is from Food Network again. USDA regulations state that ice cream must contain at least ten percent butter fat. Most brands have between fourteen and twenty five percent butter fat, whereas Italian gelato includes only about four to nine percent butter fat. So no matter what, gelato always has less butter fat than ice cream, even if the ice cream has a relatively low percentage of butter fat for ice cream. Gotcha. Okay. In fact, if you made ice cream with below 10% butter fat, by definition, it would be labeled gelato, I think. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
And then also gelato is served warmer than ice cream is. Gelato is served 10 degrees to 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Ice cream is 6 to 10 because uh, because you have to have the ice cream be solid enough to scoop it. Right. Whereas gelato, you like paddle it out as opposed to like a round ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the Food Network says. Uh yeah, that's the difference. It's interesting to me that like these differences can account for the actual experience on the receiving end because like to me gelato feels like oh, the texture and the consistency yeah. is like preferable and silkier and has a better mouthfeel to ice cream even though I'm a huge fan of fat. <laughs> like uh-huh, I uh-huh. love fat ice cream. Like yeah. I'll you know, I don't know I which I, I it would be interesting to see what the relative um fat contents of like popular ice creams are for for example like what's the difference between Haagen-Dazs and you know Blue Bunny or whatever yeah um because like Haagen-Dazs for me has always been one of my favorites and the reason that I love Haagen-Dazs ice cream so much is because you can taste the eggs in it oh yeah Yep. You can totally taste the egg in it's the like custard really base. It's like really rich. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I love that, but I feel like the mouthfeel on gelato is just as rich and it doesn't have any of that. Anywhere near any of that like yeah. creamy actual creamy fat that makes the texture happen. Well, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. The first time I ever had gelato was in um the south of France. Mm-hmm. In Oh gosh, what year was that? Like 1995, I think. And um, I was over there for a little bit and we were down on the coast of, of the southern coast of France on the Mediterranean near Monaco and there was this amazing gelato place and we yeah. got like the Lollapalooza of gelato things. <laughs> it came in this giant clear glass dish and then there were like a bunch of different scoops and then they poured like some kind of liqueur over the top of it. Of so it was like do. these yeah. ice cream balls floating in booze and it was like mm-hmm. really delicious. That's funny. Speaking of liqueurs, um, I'm just reminded that uh, a lot of the towns in Germany have their own version of essentially um, fuck. What's that like super licorice German um, Jägermeister. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because like they all, so I've had a couple different ones and they're all taste like quite, quite different, but they're all sort of, um, they're all like very herbal and like really rich and taste like very medicine-y um, much uh, like Jägermeister yeah. does. Uh, Dusseldorf has something called Killapitch. Killapitch. Um, yeah. I'm looking How to is see. it spelled? Uh, it's spelled uh, K-I-L-L-E-P-I-T-S-C-H. Killapitch. Hmm. Um, it's, it's a blood red in color. It's sort of flavored with fruits, berries, herbs, and spices. It's about 42% by volume alcohol. Um, and it's been produced in Dusseldorf uh, since 1858. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. So um, it's a really like... It, some people like it. I think it's like Jägermeister. Like it's just like, you know, you're going to like it or you're not going to like it or probably yeah, a bit of both. You know what I mean? Polarizing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you will like it until you get drunk and sick off of it and then you will hate it. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah. I actually don't mind the taste of Jägermeister because I never drank it when people were like, let's just drink to get fucked up. And so like, right. I think so maybe one it? of the first times yeah. I had it was like way, way into adulthood. And I was like, oh, I mean, if you like black licorice or anise, this is fucking Yeah. Great. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> right. It's great. But like, yeah. it's very medicinal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I mean, that's I been kind of my like I feel it's not so far off of um absinthe for me except the texture is completely different oh yes yeah the texture absinthe is very, is very anise it heavy. is it is yeah. i'm not and i'm not really a fan I mean, no I, I like i think i like anise but i don't like it usually the way it's provided in like in those ways like i don't like yeah. it in those like i probably i think i like it like really lightly flavored like in a single thing like maybe like in a like in a petty four maybe or like in a i don't know like i'm trying to think of like what the like the ideal like i it can be very overwhelming so it's more like right like i'd like it in um i'm trying to think what i had recently like i think it it can be a really nice contrast in a dish so it's like if it's not like baked into the thing where the flavor just permeates everything but it's like yeah. maybe in like a sauce that's served on the side or like somehow oh yeah you know where it's like oh a little bit of that and i can kind of regulate like how much of that experience i'm having then it can be mhm yeah um what's your favorite flavors of ice cream um or gelato hmm. or whatever well i i've since I was a kid, I've always liked the Hagen Dazs uh, coffee ice cream. Mm-hmm. I, there's something about it. I there's something about it that's like just you know good texture and um, the right amount of coffee flavor. Yep. Um, I really appreciate Hagen Dazs coffee ice cream. I especially like their coffee ice cream with chocolate chips in it. Oh, sure. Yep. But I think as we've mentioned on this show before, I hate mocha. I don't like the, I do not like when chocolate and coffee are blended together inextricably. Right, right. I like the flavors adjacent to each other, but I do not like them blended into a new flavor. (laughs) I am not a mocha fan, but I am a coffee and chocolate fan. Yes, yeah. And Haagen-Dazs does the best coffee ice cream I think of anyone. Now, Talenti Gelato which started here in Minneapolis and then was bought out by like some yeah. massive brand and the fucking recipe changed and everything. And it's worse now because right, everything right. in America just like moderates towards mediocrity because that's uh-huh. where all the fucking mm-hmm. money is. And so like, we don't get to have nice things. We just get to have cheap things here. Right. Um, <clears throat> so like uh, the gelato um, Talenti gelato had a coffee ice cream as well that had chocolate chips in it and it's divine they also have a raspberry with chocolate chips in it and it's like phenomenal oh but you know mm-hmm. all things fall apart mm-hmm. their double dutch chocolate flavor is great it's it's chocolate ice cream with dark chocolate chips in it and it's really really great oh that sounds fantastic Mm-hmm. And then they also come in like these great containers that are plastic that you can reuse and they're like clear and see-through and really high quality so you can use them for stuff in your house, which is what I do. Hmm. Yeah, I they are. All- those containers are pretty great. They have these, um, I saw when I was in Germany, they had these like canning jars that are, the lids don't screw on, they just sort of sit. Um, they're more They're more flared, the jar, like it's like a, it's a wide it's an open mouth like jar a whack, so like, like a weck jar 
What's I don't know what a weck jar is. Oh, um, it's like a like a jar that's the size of maybe a pint, and it's got like a little. One hundred percent. That's what it is. It's a weck jar. Oh. Good job. Well, there you go. Nailed it. Yeah. And the ones, but they're very, yeah, no. So they have these weck jars. I'd just never seen them before and they were really <laughs> cool. But a weck jar, so everybody's like, well, what the fuck is that? So um, the ones I'm, t- so looking at their website, like they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, um, including the more traditional canning jars where like the mouth and is. And which website more is narrow. this? Uh, weckjars.com. That's W E C K J A R S dot C O M. Um, <laughs> But touché. yeah, touche. But weck jars, mm. uh, the ones that I saw in use a lot were um, like a wide mouth jar that tapers uh, like a inverted cone a little bit. Like I mean, it's flat mm-hmm. bottom so you can sit down, but it's like tapers out a little bit towards the mouth. And yeah. then the lid sits on just an orange rubber seal. And then there's some spring clips that keep this keep the whole thing shut. Yeah. Um, and these are fantastic. And I had no idea they existed because I've you know, use canning jars for canning, um, which I think canning jar, like the typical like bell or bar, what ball jars. Yeah. And then also I can't remember what the other major U S brand is or the one that gets sold in the U S but, yeah. um, they're, they're fine and they last a long time and they're great for canning if you're really doing long-term storage. But if you're fairly like, if you're doing more canning like me where it's like I can something and then it's going to get used within that year. And it's also yeah. like, they don't need to be that like, shelf like, stable yeah like, in perpetuity well, yeah it's shelf stable in the sense that like they're they're not getting shuffled around a lot like they don't need to be stable in transport the way like mm-hmm. the um bar jar, uh, ball jars and things like that where it's screw on lid and everything really seals tightly although yeah. i suspect these seal and hold pretty tightly anyway because you end up creating a bit of a vacuum inside as they cool and then it seals pretty mm-hmm. well so but anyway i thought it was cool and uh I don't know why that came up now, but anyway, canning jars. Um, we were talking about our favorite flavors. Oh, favorite flavors of ice cream. Um, yeah, kind of weck jars. Yeah, well, the the weck jars, the ones I'm talking about, are the mold jars, apparently, because you can mold li- jars. Yeah, because I imagine like you could make yellow in the uh, yellow, you could make jello in them and turn them upside down and then leave because it could smooth slide smoothly out because the 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 Shape. opening is not smaller than the. Uh, yeah, sure. Than the rest of the jar, so yeah. And what were they using them for in Germany? All kinds of canning stuff. Like you could buy, like when we went to a garden center, there was a bunch of like canned various kinds of canned vegetables that you could buy there, and they were all in the wet jars. So yeah, yeah, it was very cool. That's fucking cool. Yeah. So yeah, I really love. Um, we're gonna have so many tomatoes from my yard this year. I have Dr. Lyle tomatoes, white queen tomatoes, Amish paste tomatoes, uh, Sarah, Ren- Sarah Reynolds orange tomatoes, Japanese yeah. trifla tomatoes. Um, God, is that all of them? I, I mean, just so many different varieties of tomatoes. We have like in the neighborhood of 20 or so plants. Um, really? More than 20, yeah. And wow. it, in some short order, I'm going to be making a lot of fucking tomato paste over here. <laughs> it's gonna be delicious <clears throat> well that's fantastic yeah what other interesting things did you um do in germany or eat in germany what interesting foods well i i thought it was interesting that Schnitzel? um 
schnitzel. I had some schnitzel. I schnitzel is fine. Like they have they have a lot of good meat there if you like meats. Um, they definitely known for their sausages, and it's not wrong. Like you all the kinds of different kinds of uh, brat brats and versts and all of the, mm-hmm. the schnitzels and stuff. Schnitzel though is not what I thought. It's it's like cut up usually like the way it's prepared yeah. it's not served as like a sausage or whatever um is it like an ingredient in other things um yeah well schnitzel is typically um it's typically like a thin slice of meat um and so it's usually like thinned out by like a meat tenderizer um and you can be made using like veal pork chicken mutton beef turkey etc um, I'm paraphrasing from the Wikipedia website just so that I'm not uh, sending misinforming. it wrong. Misinforming. Yeah. But the dishes I had, usually it was like, um, I think it was usually pork and it was often like mixed in with something kind of like uh, like either like a heavy sauce, like a tomato sauce or um, with with a few vegetables. For sure, vegetable, like in the traditional German or the sort of pub German dining environments, Mm -hmm. um, like vegetables were hard to come by. Like dishes that were like had a significant amount of vegetable mass were were hard to find. Um, Usually it was like, you know, a meat, a starch, and a sauce. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's good I mean the food was very good while I was there I really enjoyed it but um, you're like oh my god someone feed me a fucking salad yeah Uh, I will say like also that the I I thought it was interesting that uh, much like here in Southern California where we have a lot of Mexican food or Mexican like food um, Mm -hmm. you know it's you know Mexico is not like a monoculture of like their their one thing they produce is tacos <laughs> right although I, I would say southern california may be that monoculture of the one thing we produce is tacos um <laughs> but yeah. but anyway um much like our proximity to mexico means that a lot of our food is influenced by and also prepared by and served by mexican people of mexican descent or mm-hmm. um you know south america potentially depending but um Germany also, by its proximity to Italy, has a similar situation where they have all these really great Italian restaurants. Um, yeah, you can get quite a lot of good Italian food there. Um, you know, England's a little funny because it's like not actually in so close to India, but because of its relationship with India. Um, yeah, we don't need to get into that at this moment, but. Um, <laughs> But they have a lot of like, you know, the best the best food in in England is not English food so much as it's usually Indian. Like they have lots of good <clears throat> Indian restaurants mm-hmm. um, or, you know, yeah. I'm by no means like a, you know, world renowned food critic, nor have I uh, traveled nearly as much as some. But I but there is that in Germany. It's very interesting to see like there's quite a lot of influence from Italy because you have Im- immigration, you know, you yeah. have immigrants from Italy or. Um, or migrants, you know, depending, it's, but, and because they're part of the EU, like they, it's not so loaded as it is here in the U S where it's like, you know, fuck you Mexicans for being over here, but also give me my goddamn taco. Like what, <laughs> or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, right. Anyway, um, fucking taco. Yeah. Go pick my fields and then come make me some tacos and then get the fuck out of here. Right. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't actually think like I, I mean, I think that the, for sure we have a problem like in, in the U.S. and definitely um, here in San Diego, like for sure there's some amount of prejudice, but I don't get the impression that it's quite, I mean, it's certainly not on the level of like racism that we have 
you know, a history of with black people yeah. necessarily or like, but it's right. not better, you know, it's not like, oh, well, then it's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, what do I, I know? Was, Nothing. Uh, well, yeah. I don't, nobody knows anything. Right. It's just some guy with a fucking opinion. Um, <laughs> it's just some guy, just some white guy, <laughs> some white guy on a podcast. Like. Opinion. Um, <laughs> so I, we talked about this like briefly or like we texted about it, but we never yeah. like really did anything with it. Uh, topic change. Unless you yes. want to keep talking about Germany. Swerve. Urgh. Dodge. Swerve. Yeah. Um, uh, another, another thing abroad. Yes. Um, there's this new place that, uh, a company called Neom N E O M, which is all in capitals, uh-huh. has uh, the team at Neom. This is from Design Boom. Uh, the team at Neom has already begun construction on Saudi Arabia's zero gravity in quotation marks, whatever the fuck that means. Yes, zero gravity city, the line, and the line is all in caps. Uh huh. Yes. The group is reimagining how a city is built and what sort of life is possible within its mirrored walls. The colossal scale of the proposal has never been seen and its concentrated proportions unheard of. Uh The line is a rejection of the sprawling suburb and a hyper-exaggeration of the super-tall skyscraper, often referred to as a ground scraper. Uh The singular structure will stretch 170 kilometers over 100 miles to house a city of 9 million people and the artistic renderings of this thing if you can imagine yeah. are just a super tall super skinny building that stretches a hundred miles long so if you want to get from one point in the line to any other point in the line you have to go through all of the points in between there's no like cutting across town so i have a few questions because it's a line 100 miles long that they're going to cram 9 million people into supposedly actually i have a speculation based on what you told me um i imagine the conversation went something like this you know what sucks about suburbs everything's so far apart you know what sucks about living in the city though is like you're just on top of each other right so let's take the worst of both worlds and build one giant megastructure where yes. everything's too far apart and yet we're constantly on top of each other. Right. Yes. Nailed it. Right. So the proposal <clears throat> dramatically rethinks the built environment's relationship with the natural environment, claiming that the car-free place will be powered 100% by renewable energy and will operate at net zero. What's more, it proposes an entirely alien way of life with its occupants living along a stark boundary between the hyperdense city itself and a wild, untouched desert. So they're planning on building this fucking thing. Uh huh. In what is currently and most assuredly in the future to be an almost utterly inhospitable place for humans. Yes. Like, there's nothing around it. There are no in-situ resources. There is no way to farm or grow anything here. Yeah. To put the scale into perspective, it would take over an hour or perhaps two hours to drive from end to end in a car, assuming that you were driving, like, 120 fucking miles an hour. 
Mm-hmm. The team claims that within this structure, there will be a system of high-speed transport such that you could reach end-to-end in no more than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, a bullet train? Hmm. Tall and narrow, the city will be 500 meters above sea level and 200 meters wide. So, in other words, this, the, the building itself, if you imagine a skyscraper, 1,640 feet tall, 650 feet wide, and then just stretch that out for 120 miles in one direction. What? Sorry, can you say that again? So, it is... 1,640 feet high. Yeah. 650 feet wide and 120 miles long. Yeah. So it's basically a skyscraper, but instead of having a footprint that's a city block, it's a footprint that covers 120 miles in a straight line. How? So it's going to be taller than the Empire State Building, yeah. but 120 miles long. It's basically just a giant fucking wall. It's a wall. Right. It's a straight wall. It looks like a wall, um, a mirrored wall. But why the, Why in a line? Like, why not in a circle or an S-curve or... So the person who designed this, the, design, the director of urban planning at Neom is named Tariq Kadumi, and he says that zero-gravity urbanism is an expression we use to describe the reduced dependence on the natural ground plane by creating multiple vertically organized ground planes at height. By doing so, we would be essentially building a new topography around which urban life is generated. This new approach reduces the line's physical footprint to 2% of that of a conventional city of similar population. So basically, in other words, in instead of having people spread out from the epicenter along the ground, they're spreading everybody out, not in a circle that radiates from a central point, but in a straight line across the ground, which then rises higher in the air than the Empire State Building, the whole distance of that line. So the actual footprint that touches the ground is only like 2% of the footprint of a normal 9 million person city because those 9 million people have now been precariously stacked on top of each other for 120 miles in one direction. (laughs) So it says the line's physical footprint has been reduced to 2% of that of a conventional city of similar population. London currently sits at about 1,600 square kilometers compared to the 34 square kilometers that the line will take up with its 9 million people. As the, and this is the person who designed the director again. Yeah, yeah. As the world's population grows and as urban migration continues, we see the line, radical as it may be, yes. as a viable alternative to the gradual and systematic takeover of natural ecologies and landscapes. Urban life within the line is another driver for the line's three-dimensional organization. Two direct derivatives of zero-gravity gravi- urbanism are hyper-proximity and hyper-mixed-use. 
Hyperproximity is the phenomenon by which more people come closer together than ever before imaginable. And, you know, this is totally cool right after a fucking pandemic. Yes. I mean, we've learned nothing. Yes. Promoting exceptional social interaction and cultural exchange. Manhattan, as an example of a high-density, vibrant city, achieves 25,000 people in a five-minute walk. The line reaches 80,000 people with the same comfort and density. This is because people are not this this right here is yeah. like this makes me want to like fall out of my chair a little bit. This is because people are no longer limited by horizontal movement. Right. But can multiply their access by traveling upwards or downwards to new neighborhoods. <laughs> like I-, I really think they're overstating the fucking novelty of this idea. Yeah, I mean it is a little um it's really naive hyper mixed use is the idea that within this urban environment we can find everything everywhere but i mean but the problem of course is that that you're i feel like they've like they purport to solve a problem by saying like, you know, we're expanding in this new direction. Right. Right. But then they're making it in a line. So they give up like, like two more dimensions for the one that they're gaining. Right. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So I mean, just from a geometry problem, like it completely disregards the natural movements and tendencies of people in their movements. Yes. Like this completely disregards like, this design is not for people. I don't know who it's for, but it's not for fucking humans. Mm-hmm. It's for some idea of people that like doesn't exist. So furthermore, hypermixed use is the idea that within this urban environment, we find everything everywhere. The line rejects the idea of zoning and classification. We believe that all aspects of human life, whether living, working, culture, education, or entertainment, will happen all over the city. Did they, mas- did city- they mention industry or like industrial uh-huh. manufacturing? No. Oh, uh, okay. Is that one in though, or like? Anyway, sorry. Keep. Not sure. Okay. In other cities, this may not allow for the creation of synergies between certain industries. There we go, and the creation of certain districts. The mm-hmm. line does both. You can access 80,000 people within five minutes, so you will have multiple blended walkable districts and ecosystems. They just say this like it's just a given. <laughs> this makes Everything's me... going to be perfect. Is it... Um, oh, what was the... What was that movie? Um, not the Manchurian Candidate. Uh, fuck. Um, the Hudsucker Proxy. When yeah. when he's like draws a circle on a piece of paper and he's like, you know, for kids. <laughs> and then it's like the hula hoop, which actually ends up like taking off or whatever. But like it feels very much like that. It's like, you know, it's like, well, somebody looked at some cities and they're like, you know, it's not a city, a line. Let's call it the line. I don't know. It just feels very. Right. um it sounds ridiculous. This does not actually address anything about how people live. So when Charlie Munger thought of this, oh wait, right? sorry. <laughs> What's this fucking guy's name again? Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Tariq Kadumi. 
uh, architectural menace to electric boogaloo. <laughs> Maybe uh, that should have been the title of this episode. Right. Um, this guy also says that like um, the new morphology of the line, which yeah. I can't say not that way because it's in all fucking caps, right? Like, right. fuck you and your stupid pretentious title creates urban space of a unique nature no shit everyone mm-hmm. in the city has direct view to nature from all heights of the line everyone has immediate access to the natural environment on either side of the line as well as multiple parks and pedestrian spaces within immediate reach and perhaps most importantly the line provides equal opportunity for residents of all walks of life to share in every aspect of the line's public services and amenities it's a utopia ned yes the de- the choice of where to live on the line, vertically or along its length, will be dependent on preference and choice. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, this is we're not going to have any conflicts of any kind here whatsoever. And like, clearly, classism is going to be completely eradicated in one of the most expensive projects ever built, in one of the most inhospitable places on the planet, in a country that doesn't have any of its own shit except for exports of oil. <laughs> right. So, like, this person doing this interview says, what are the challenges of ensuring that the lowest levels or the middle levels receive natural sunlight and fresh air? Will the uh-huh. facade be permeable? Sky, the director says, the line in all its parts will have ample access to natural light in all its levels and spaces. The and mirror possible. facade. Yes. The mirror for that. So this giant thing, this giant glass object in a desert that sometimes reaches 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh Uh-huh. Will allow sunlight in through the sides of the city in addition to the light received directly from above. The facade will have ample opportunities to allow the city to breathe as space within the mirrors is a combination of outdoor space, parks, plazas, and walkways, in addition to indoor, private, and public spaces. Our role as planners is to measure and choreograph the amount of light that's filtered through the mass of the city. Southern (laughs) light will bring a certain perceived and physical warmth, i.e. you will turn into a goddamn hot box. Right. In a fucking glass building, 1,600 feet tall in the middle of the desert. Northern light will bring in cooler light with less heat gain. We're blessed to be in a region that has an abundance of light. <laughs> fucking overstatement. Uh, or understatement. And so the challenge will be to create the right combination of light and shade. When speaking of enhanced livability, landscape plays a major role. Within the vibrancy of the city landscape areas. Landscape areas. Uh-huh are organized at height around the idea that all residents should have access to everything from district to neighborhood parks and a variety of public spaces between. This is one of the metrics that we, sti- what we that we simulate and refine to make sure of the equitable nature of the city. Mm-hmm. Landscapes in the line will be outdoor spaces. As with all cities, they will have ample access to light and fresh air and an unprecedented opportunity to also be shaded. An unprecedented sure opportunity. An un- like to be shaded. What is an unprecedented opportunity to be shaded? I don't know. That's so Like, do you feel like this person is a total fucking scam artist? It does feel like really intensely over the top, like hyped. This basically seems fucking impossible. Like 
Um, can you explain the tra plans for transportation? Are there different methods of moving short distances versus long distances and horizontally versus vertically? Could uh -huh. one travel upward two levels on foot or would an autonomous vehicle taxi residence short vertical distances? And Tariq says, moving around the line is primarily based on walking. Hmm. So Which makes total like sense because it's 120 miles long. And yes. everybody has access to everything at all times. I will say that if this thing is built um, and it exists to the extent that one can travel there, I would probably absolutely attempt to walk the entire thing like as a backpacking trip. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, like, me too. Yeah. like I. They're you know, never going to build this in our lifetime. This is no. never, ever going to happen. No. So dude says basically the only transportation anyone's mostly going to do in this enormous fucking monolithic structure that's larger than anything ever built on the planet ever before and yeah. completely made out of glass and barely touches the ground at all. Right. The basic way that you get around this thing is by walking. So uh -huh. because everything is everywhere all the time, so you should never have to go more than several kilometers anywhere ever for the rest of your life forever. Right. So you can take an individual or a group shuttle that will transport you on the same level that you're already on. Yes. If you need to go more than 10 kilometers. Huh. When you need to travel distances along the 170 kilometers of the line that are more than 10 kilometers of it. So if you need to travel more than 5% of this building at any given time, you need to hop on a high speed system on the ground level. Is there, um, I, I, now I don't know, but I suspect there might be some portion of most human populations that are unable to walk or would find that distance a significant hurdle. Yeah. Hmm. Something to consider. Yeah. So like on the one hand. Yes. This dude says, the line is situated within the region of NEOM, Neom, which is seventy, which has 95% been designated as a nature reserve. So residents have direct views and immediate and equitable access to this incredible landscape. It's a fucking desert in the middle of nowhere. Right. Not that that can't be an incredible landscape, but also... Mm. It's a, it's on a coastal desert overlooking the Red Sea. Like it's fucking yeah. sand and desert and like if you go outside it will kill you. Right. It's like The landscapes of the line are the areas of several kilometers north and south of the line. This will be regenerated through limited grazing, the introduction of water and seeding native and experimental flora to create an enhanced natural landscape. They're basically talking about greening the desert in a portion of the planet that is expected to increase past 150 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, I just don't understand how anyone's supposed to take this seriously. The Neom in its entirety will run on renewable energy. Energy sources will be a combination of solar, wind, and hydrogen. Okay. How it's is not, uh, how is hydrogen renewable? I mean, I, I know of ways. I'm just curious if they mention. No, they don't say anything about it here. It's not enough that manufacturing, for example, runs on electrical power. It's important that electric power is also generated sustainably, they say. Uh -huh. 
so this this interviewer says how would you describe the benefits of a vertical city to someone who values rural living (laughs) and i love that like whoever is like so we're talking about a building that's going to be built in saudi arabia in an oil country and this person doing the interview is like what about rural people like there are no fucking rural what are you talking about are you talking about like people who farm like what do you mean? Anyway, so the interviewer is like, what about rural people? And the, the director, Turek, says, I too enjoy rural living. Houses have beautiful views of nature, fresh air, away from the noise and pollution of a city. The beauty of the line is it places an entire city at the doorstep of nature. So like a city in the middle of nature, like any other city in the middle of any other nature on the face of the planet. Basically, like, I don't see how this is any different. You've mentioned flying vehicles. How will this traffic be organized? Oh, guess what? There's flying vehicles in this city, too. Did we forget to mention that beyond this point? (laughs) Like, have we forgotten entirely to tell you that you're all going to have flying cars? (laughs) So this fucking director says, well, relative to the size of Neom, which is the size of Belgium, we don't expect that the airways will be busy when considering the need. That said, like many other things in Neom, air travel will be managed by advanced AI systems that will ensure safety. Oh, okay. Can you describe how the line will receive water? The line's water will be produced by <laughs> through advanced desalination. Okay. The extraction of potable water from seawater is usually frowned upon because the process involves dumping the salts back into the sea. This alters the salinity of the water and in turn the ecology. In Neom, we have a zero brine discharge policy, meaning the salts will be retained. <laughs> Just somewhere Just in a big somewhere. fucking pile, I guess. I don't pile. know. So they're going to salt the earth instead of the earth. <laughs> right, right, right. We'll just bury it. We'll just bury it. This makes water in Neom sustainably sourced. Because we just said so. Uh-huh. And particularly that the process of extraction will also run on renewable energy resources. The water in the line will be recycled and reused with many similar processes currently used elsewhere. So the process has been described as zero gravity, right? And what the director says about this is, the story is always the same. The idea is usually faced with surprise, then skepticism, then belief and enthusiasm. The idea of zero gravity urbanism detaches us from the limitations of the ground plane and the need to destroy it. So like zero gravity allows us to locate functions in close proximity as a result of adding the third dimension to planning, which means fucking nothing. Except they got they gave up the Y for the X. Or whatever right. the Z, they're like yeah. we're gonna go up, but we're not gonna go. We're not. Out. We're only gonna use half as many coordinates on the ground, right? Or like less than half as many, like a, a fraction, supposedly. Right. Zero gravity allows us to locate functions in close proximity as a result of adding a third dimension to planning. This but opens a whole new world of adjacencies, previously difficult or impossible. Today, a school can overlook a museum. A hospital can hover over a stadium. <laughs> Does they, do they say that? Yes, that, I'm reading this verbatim. This is what this fucking director has said. So it's the, it's the Jetsons. It's the Jetsons. We're developing the design into something that can be built in a way that's more industrial, more rational than conventional contracting practices. For example, building components will be manufactured off-site and assembled as a kit. 
Will it be uh, just as misogynist as the Jetsons? Maybe. They say it's going to be done by 2030. So we are. Yeah. Then we are going to get to hike it. Right. This is a done deal. Yeah, it's it's happening. It's already basically done. I mean, we might as well just buy stuff in it by now. We might as well invest. Let's move to Saudi Arabia and live in the line and never go more than 10 kilometers in any direction for the rest of our lives. Sounds amazing. Um, also, potential future business idea. Just throwing this out there. Yeah. We, um, we run like a cab service on the outside on the ground with cars mm-hmm. so that like when people actually want to get around... We're right there and they can just come out of the city, get in the car, mm-hmm. and we'll drive them down the line to their next stop <laughs> for a very nominal fee. What do you think about Nominal this? fee. Yeah. <laughs> I can get you there. I can get you there in three hours. Don't ask me how. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like... And we can uh, get this- some uh, short hopper planes, some like puddle, some pond jumpers or whatever they're called. Yeah. Puddle, yeah. Pond hoppers or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cessnas. Cessnas. Just pop some Cessnas in there. Yeah. Um, the the interviewer says, "Any last comments?" And this guy says, "We aim to bring back health and joy into the city, and we hope to give people back time instead of them being busy with tedious daily tasks. We'd like to make more time for hobbies or interests or friends. And until then, we'll face challenges and difficulties like any other project. But we have an ambition to make change in urban life." So like they're going to build this building and everything's going to be fucking perfect. But the 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 cause of like people not having free time is the fact that the cost of living goes up and they can't afford to work. They have to work harder to live where they live. Right. Like that's the only solution. It's not my like my tedium and tasks aren't that it's f- too far for me to go get food or to like <laughs> go get the things I need. I live in a city. Like right. cities provide that. That's why people pay the higher cost to be here. Right. Like you're not. The problem is the fucking cost of living. The problem is that I have to work a fucking 40 hour work week and or, you know, or most people two or three jobs and work like 60 or 80 hours a week in order right. to live. Right. So how like, are you giving me free time? Who like the f- who the fuck is going to live in this building? How are they going to pay to live there? And what is like. So you want people to move to an utterly inhospitable place spend all of their money to get in and then never leave but not work either right like i don't understand any of this like this is the most incoherent bullshit idea that i've seen get major press (laughs) since charlie munger's fucking ridiculous building and everybody in charlie munger's situation knows it's fucking crazy that's the other thing yeah like they say too, like this director guy is like, you know, like at first, like we're going to get built by 2030 and at first it's only going to have like a million people in it, but you know, it can hold up to 9 million. So this will be a thing that just like it develops organically over time. And I'm like, so you want me to move to 150 degrees in uh-huh. a place where I am radically dependent on literally the entire rest of the planet to give me the basics for survival. Uh-huh. You want me to live in this building? Yes. You want me not to work. Yes. You want me to only have hobbies and free time. Yes. And you want me to not go more than like, how, how does any of this add up at all? I feel like you're not really getting the coolness of this whole thing. <laughs> I, it's, it's a I'm line. I'm stuck in the past. 
blast with my ideas about cities. Yeah, like you, you need to open your mind to the idea that it's 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 gra- it's zero gravity, and it's mm-hmm. a line. And now zero gravity isn't what you think. Mm-hmm. It's just that we don't use the ground plane. We make other planes. So the cost of living is astronomical from an engineering <laughs> and resource point of view. Because right. rather than utilizing what is there. What is there already. We're going to make other planes for people to exist on. Because unfortunately, even though we want to call it zero gravity, we have not been able to solve the problem of there being gravity in this right. equation. So people will still be naturally drawn towards the center of the planet. And so the only way to keep them separated will be to build these platforms, structurally speaking. Which that, used to be called floors before which used to be called floors. speak. Right? Yeah, but these things are going to separate people and things. And they're planes. And they're, they're planes. Pl- so we're going to create planes. these new planes. And so these planes will be um, supported by... Now, they're not going to touch the ground. Well, they're going to have to touch the ground because we have don't have the magic to fix that yet. But mm-hmm. they'll minimize their footprint on the plane that already exists that will be completely covered by any of these structures to the point that any kind of natural ecosystem will fail to exist there anymore because the sun will be entirely blocked out, uh, not to course. mention the rain and the weather and all of that. Um, right, right. So, so, but we're not going to use that one anyway. True. Um, because we're going to have all these other ones stacked on top of it. Yes, right. Right. I mean, maybe we'll use it, I guess. Uh-huh. If Ned wants to do his like super Uber service down there, he can drive people around in cars. Right. I mean, like, let's just say for a second, though, that like everything isn't everywhere all of the time. Yes. Which I'm pretty sure is some kind of a violation of like the fucking laws of physics. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll just hypothetical here for a second. Let's just spitball this for a second. Yeah. <clears throat> let's just say that like, um, you know. I didn't have to worry about gravity and I could just live in the air all of the time and I don't need any of my resources provided for or like whatever. It's fine. Um, I, I feel like this sort of overlooks like the possibility that there might be just one thing of one kind in this building and it might be at the other end than the end that you live on. Like, I mean, I think that might be a possibility that could be a thing that happens. Yes. Yes. Like everything might not be everywhere all of the time. Right. Like somehow. Um, like, is there a plan for that with this building? Like, what if I need a thing that's not within 10 kilometers? And I'm also furthermore not really sure how to get to it. Well, they have the, like, the super hyper transport um, flying vehicle slash train things, right? Yeah. Like, where is this vehicle going to fly exactly? I don't know, but it'll be AI controlled. So it'll be fine. Oh, right. I mean, we don't have to think about it. That's the whole reason we have AI. Yeah. So we don't have to think. Um, yeah, it does occur to me that uh, there's there are other places that attempt to have everything everywhere all, at the, all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, L.A. <laughs> right. And, you know, I think L.A. is kind of like the counterpoint to this line. Yeah. Sorry, the line. The line, not because this line. Get it right. Get it right. The line. Um, it's kind of like you know the opposite of L.A. Yes. So, touche. How is it the opposite of L.A. though? 
because it's straight in a straight line straight line built into the sky all skyscrapers not sprawl on the ground gotcha yes right right so like scoop all of la up pile it on top of each other and then stretch it out in a long line yeah that would be it that would be it i sent you a picture of the line if you'd like to look at it well it's not actually a picture it's just a rendering because it's not a real thing in real life and it probably won't ever be oh yes yes uh okay so first of all let me let me describe uh imagine this is what i think of when they (laughs) had that uh when there was that like for a long time there was that sort of like urban legend of like the the only man-made structure you can see from space is the wall of the great wall of china Mm. which you yes which you can't see from space no Um, so this has that um first of all the view is as if i were looking down from the space station a little bit like the way the land is is it looks microscopic you can almost see the curvature of the earth in this photo right yeah 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 and it's sort of a um and then there's just this white shiny wall that (laughs) sticks up like and and it's just an impossibly straight line just carved into the earth or just laying on top of the earth like a just a giant ruler laid down on its side. Um good description. It's uh I, I mean the rendering is like like very um disappointing. Like it's not yeah. inspiring in any way. Like I think the fact that they tried to add like the sun behind the photo behind the wall with mm-hmm. some good lens flare kind of feels to it. Right. Um is them trying to make it look more majestic than it is, which really what it looks like is just like a like some kind of I, I don't even know how to describe like all yeah. I can say is like it looks horribly inorganic just incredibly mm-hmm. inorganic against the background yeah. um it looks like like a it surgical like, cut it looks basically impossible to maintain it looks oh yeah no it looks impossible to maintain um it also like it looks like this like kind of fucked up barrier like this is the wall that everybody wanted to build everybody wants on mexico and between mexico and the united states yeah like that's kind of what it looks like it's just Mm -hmm. this like impossibly tall barrier um it doesn't have any i mean the renderings of the inside are these like lush green forests which are just like impossible to maintain over a long period of time not to mention the amount of like different kinds of infections and diseases that come out of there just for the plants alone forget about effects on people like the fact that it's like oh yep and now our entire like this ecosystem that they have this like beautiful grush uh green grush (laughs) green (laughs) lush like hanging garden look um to me strikes me as like you know it'll look like this for one year and then the next year it will look horrible rotten and dead and you'll have all this dead biomass you don't know what to do with because they haven't properly managed the fact that um you know the way plants grow like this is they they chew up their right. environment right. so you can't maintain a structure under them they will ultimately destroy it in order to continue to grow exactly and live um so either the trees will survive or the building will survive but not both of them right Right, exactly. You're just you're just gonna be at war with this, like you know. Yeah. There, there's none of this strikes me as that sort of like 
that meticulously maintained like Japanese garden kind of balance. Right. Like, um, you know, which even that has its limits. Um, Mm -hmm. but I mean, this is just uh, incredible to me because like even in the renderings, they don't really capture or do justice to the scale of what they are verbally describing. Like in this, in this picture that they have of like, here's what this gorgeous interior is going to look like. It basically looks like, imagine if you're looking down a busy street on Manhattan, instead of having skyscrapers on either side and a narrow path between them with road and taxis, what you have is a narrow path between them filled with trees. Yep. So it looks like where the road through Manhattan would be, there are trees and on either side where there should be skyscrapers made out of like steel and metal and glass and concrete and stuff like that. They have these renderings of like different. It looks like the inside of a fucking shopping mall, right? Yes. With like little yep. skyways between the layers. So mm-hmm. I'm counting up here and I see fucking waterfalls. I see yep. trees that are clearly intended to be full grown. So they've got to be like 50 to 70 feet tall. Yeah. I see a bunch of stuff and all of these tiered um, levels of this fucking line building with like these intermittent connecting skyways full yep. of trees i mean those aren't going to be overweight also immediately. just the level of humidity that's going to be in this space based on the heat it's going to be I see a stifling. fucking waterfall in this yeah. representation and and you're going to have since the i mean going off the rendering of this like enclosed not to mention it's a mirrored surface on the outside so it's just this like like continuous glass wall um yeah. you know the whole way up so there's there's w- not gonna be any way to regulate the heat whatsoever there's gonna be no airflow at all no, no despite which what it's just say. gonna be stifling yeah it's oh ridiculous. they mentioned there would be good airflow or well they said like there's gonna be airflow and access to natural light on every single floor of this entire thing the whole way down okay i, I mean, which I is just a physical impossibility that, yeah, yeah. That violates the laws of physics. Like I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm being serious. Like you can't you can't put everything in the same place all at the same time. It's a law of physics. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Me and you cannot be in the same fucking space time. Nope. Like your molecules are there. My molecules are over here. Right. (laughs) Anyway, like so I'm looking at this rendering, and even with the rendering, I'm noticing they're only showing like 20, 30 floors up inside this space and they're right. showing like, oh, here's open sky at the top. I'm like, not at a fucking building with 115 floors. You don't. Right. Anyway, none of this makes any goddamn sense, but it's fun. It's fun to imagine. It is. How anybody could think that this is even possible. Yeah. I mean, I would like the renderings make it, you know, these drawings and artist depictions look beautiful. Right, but like it's like amazing. This like beautiful, they, lush, like green they, spaces that you live in, and anyway, they look like the fucking cover of a sci-fi novel about another planet. Yes, yeah, I mean exactly like that. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, if you've read any sci-fi, this is what that looks like. Like you just. I, I wonder if there's any like. Whoop. My thing came unplugged. I wonder if there's any like serious critiques of this by other like architects or anything. There must be somebody's somebody's already poo pooed this idea. Mm-hmm. Huh? I'm gonna Google. Well, um, I love the project title, "The Line." Yeah. Oh, here's the architect's newspaper. Saudi Arabia reveals a hundred mile long linear city, but critics are skeptical. Yeah. Um. 
Is it an innovative linear smart city or another exercise in PR architecture? PR architecture. Solid. From a kingdom that promised to light its urban centers with an artificial moon, Saudi Arabia unveiled the line on January 10th in a flashy keynote headed by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, a 106-mile-long city devoid of cars that will allegedly cut across the 10,000-square-mile city of Neom. As a refresher, Neom was first announced in 2017 as a free zone along the Red Sea, a futuristic $500 billion clean energy-powered living laboratory, backed by big-name investors and design names. Then in 2018, after they murdered Jamal Khashoggi, by <laughs> the host of others jumped ship from the project's advisory board. There hasn't been much news since, apart from the controversy over the kingdom's attempts to evict up to 20,000 native Bedouin tribe members from the site. <laughs> Yeah, and the line is so long and it cu cuts across like the whole body um the whole sort of uh body of land in that yeah. in that region that you would not be able to travel from one side of the space to the other without crossing the line. Right. You, how do you even get around the line? Can, they say this here. There's like they in all of the renderings they show and stuff they're showing that it will stretch from the actual coast of the Red Sea, like where the water touches the land, yep. to the mountains northwest of Saudi Arabia, in Saudi, in northwestern Saudi Arabia. And, um, and instead of spreading urban centers around all of the land space between the mountains and the sea, it will condense all of those people into a tiny living stretch and preserve, quote unquote, 95% of the natural wilderness. So the whole idea is, how can you have people living in a natural wilderness and people not living in a natural wilderness at the same time? It's... So they're basically saying we want to have 95% natural wilderness and have 9 million people living in it at the same time. They want both of these things to be true. Yeah. The line has been designed around walkability first and that cars and roads would be wholly banned with transportation needs met only by an underground train system. An end-to-end -end trip will only take 20 minutes, supposedly. You might be asking if a walkable city arranged in a straight line is an oxymoron, which we are. Mm -hmm. But the launch video says it looks like the line will actually be made up of clusters of aggregated urban areas arranged around a central spine rather than a single large strip with functions distributed across it. Neom's developers have promised that everything will be accessible in a five-minute walk, and Bin Salman touted that the entire development will be net zero, powered entirely by renewable energy, and po totally pollution-free. So let's just take like a common good, like... Um <laughs> a consumable good like for instance uh milk i was why was i gonna say milk too that's so weird okay right. go on so um so if what you're saying is that at any residence that i live in i can walk five minutes away and get my gallon of milk or half gallon of milk if we're you know or pint of milk whatever yep yep everything everywhere all the time ned okay so you name that's, it you get it that's fine um now that milk i'm assuming is not like i don't walk five five minutes away and there's a cow that i milk right so the milk is manufactured or produced or produced and you know basically packaged and then shipped yes so how do the goods move around i don't know um especially perishable goods like milk where you need to so this is part of the problem right is it's like there's a reason that these are like really difficult complex problems is that you have 
something that's perishable like milk needs to be refrigerated, which right. means that you can't just like have a stash there waiting and then eventually when people need it, like you need to meet that sort of sl- supply and demand. Which means ratio, margins. Which Right, which means margins. But you need to like, which means that, you know, that everywhere all of like five minutes from everything is just you know is good for one person probably or like five people you know some elite class can probably get away with that and then the rest of the people who live there are people who work and make this work like unless they're talking about like automating a lot of it which it sounds like they are but then even that like it still has a lot of these problems where it's like like am i actually five minutes away from it or does it just get delivered to me within a reasonable you know amount of time and also how the fuck does shit get delivered right how does yes exactly (laughs) what if i Uh, can't walk a lot of this yeah it's like a lot of this is like well i mean we didn't mean everything we meant more like you know like if you live near a cafe then it might be five minutes away right oh it seems like there's going to be a lot of like um retroactive qualifiers here oh yeah definitely um i mean i think the reality is is it's like just just set aside all of the promises that they're making like this is a superhuman or not a superhuman this is like a super mega structure that they're talking about building and um i don't see i don't see evidence that that we have anything to show that we have done anything close to this like yeah just the just the little you know one mile stretch off the shore there let's just start with that what's you know what show me something that's that big that we've built that's even close to supporting this kind of thing right i mean i think this is like uh, like there's so many things about this that are just like totally absurd which is what attracted to me to it of course right Uh, yeah i I mean that this is like this answers a question nobody was asking right right (laughs) Like, like here's a question like do these raw materials even exist in the appropriate quantities that are available for these people to build this? Right. Forget about if they have all the money in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do they actually exist? I mean, we have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of metals and things on, on the planet, but you know, they're, they're most of them are spoken for already. I was kind of thinking about this. I was like, I don't even know if there's enough shit to build this thing. Like, you know, we don't, I, I think like most people don't even think about the amount of um, like silicone that is b- being manufactured all the time for new chips yeah. and shit. Yeah. And like, like sand, literally sand is getting scooped up and stolen and sold from and yes. like exploited in various countries where their whole beachfronts are completely transformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super bizarre. Just fucking like, sand. Yeah. I know. I the the idea that like this is all just going to work out somehow like, oh, how are you going to get people around? Well, we'll have AI flying cars for that, obviously. Right? We don't need to worry about that now. That'll be taken care of later by the AI that we yeah. haven't invented. Right. Like this just kind of like, you know what this reminds me of me a lot. It reminds me of Firefest. Yes. Yes. Like like people are uh, you know like making these weird promises about stuff that's like literally physically impossible on planet uh-huh. <laughs> and everybody's just like yeah this sounds good right right this is fine what could Gizmo- go wrong gizmodo posted about it um their their post is a little bit um less forgiving it says vicious saudi autocrat Mohammed bin Salman has a new vision for Neom, his plan for a massive $500 billion AI-powered, nominally legally independent city-state of the future on the border with Egypt and Jordan. 
Um, what I love also about this is that like the professed, like the stated price tag on this insane building is a 500 billion. You've got to be kidding me. Our fucking light rail project in Minneapolis is costing more than 500 billion. Right. Like, I mean, actually, I don't know that it is, but like, it's it's gotta be fucking close. Like, like everything here keeps, you know, like I would like to look at projects that currently exist on planet earth that cost in the 500 billion range, or maybe a couple of projects that would add up to 500 billion. And I want to see what you get for that money because I sure as shit don't think it's a 120 mile long fucking 1600 foot tall building in the desert. Right. There's no way that that's only going to cost 500 billion if it was even feasible to pull it off. Yeah. 500 billion of what? In raw materials? In labor? Like who's going to build this fucking thing? Yeah. Who's building uh, it? Nobody's building it. So they say um when we last left the crown prince, he had <laughs> reportedly commissioned 2300 pages worth of proposals from Boston Consulting Group, McKinsey and Company. If someday we should do a, a podcast about McKinsey. Those people are fucking crazy. Okay. And Oliver Wyman boasting of possible amenities like holographic school teachers. And <laughs> <laughs> cloud seeding to create rain. Flying taxis. Glow in the dark beaches. A giant NASA built artificial moon and lots of robots. Maids, cage fighters, and dinosaurs. Like, these are all actually things they've said would be part of the everything, everywhere, all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cities is the line. In a promotional video, they said that they were pondering the issues plaguing our world today. And this is what led to them creating the line. Why do people spend years of their lives commuting? Where will the estimated 1 billion people displaced by climate change by 2050 relocate? Why do millions die every year of air pollution? Clearly, the only solution to these problems is a city, but it's a line, though. Mm-hmm. Not a line, the line. It's the right. line. The line is the answer. So they say, we need a Salman. Mohammed bin Salman says, we need to transform the concept of a conventional city into that of a futuristic one. Today is the chairman of the board of the district directors of Neom. I pre- present to you the line, a city of a million residents with a length of 170 kilometers that preserves 95% of nature. With zero cars, zero streets, and zero carbon emissions, you can fulfill your daily requirements within a five-minute walk, and you can travel from end to end within 20 minutes. And the end to end 20 minutes boast likely refers to some form of mass transit that doesn't yet exist. I love how it's sort of like, like someone's like, I just want to build a city. And they're like, well, let's just make a checklist of all the things that are bad and make sure it doesn't have those. Right. And then everything that's good, we'll just make sure it has those. And then right. we're done. And then we're done. It's super so easy. So walking is good. So great. So everything will be walkable. Everything's just walkable. Cars are bad. So we won't have any cars. Mm-hmm. How do you explain getting things when you don't have a car? Well, everything will just be everywhere all the time, you see. Yeah. So you can just walk to get it. Wherever so that is. problem solved. Yes. Um, with uh, the end to end in 20 minutes boast likely refers to from some form of mass transit that doesn't exist because it works out to a transit system running at 317 miles per hour, which is much, much faster than Japan's famous Shinkansen uh, train yeah. network, which caps yes. at 200 miles per hour, which and is some fucking fast. 200 insane. miles. Like insane. Yes. Yeah. 
some have tested companies, uh, some Japanese te- companies have tested maglev trains that have gone up to 373, but that's nowhere near, uh, like, put people in it now. <laughs> right, right. That's a, like, okay, we, we got that thing that's massed to go that fast over the ground. Good job. Right. Yeah. Um, they also say, Gizmodo says, from there, the prince goes into statistics babble with 30% less <laughs> infrastructure cost, 30% better quality product, 100% renewable energy. The line is a project that is a civilization revolution that puts humans first. There will be plenty of details that will be unfolded later. But for today, we leave you with a prefix video about the announcement and then the video talks about it being a spine with no roads or cars and also like replacing outdated city services with ai which Uh gizmodo says okay sure (laughs) (laughs) according to bloomberg saudi officials so like everything now is phone trees (laughs) yes (laughs) right Um, according to Bloomberg, Saudi officials project that the line will cost around 100 to 200 billion of the 500 billion planned to be spent and will have a population of 1 million, 1 million people yes. with 380,000 jobs. 1 million people, only 38% of them employed. Okay, so the remaining uh, 60-ish percent would be employed somewhere else or they would just not have jobs? Oh right, because they'd have so many great hobbies. They have the hobbies, the hobbies, oh, which are yeah. everywhere. They, they're all too of the busy. Time. They're too busy to work. They're too busy to work. They're doing hobbies. Right. A website for the project contains videos of the supposedly brightest minds speaking in vague but upbeat terms about the revolutionary potential of the line and fielding softball questions from interviewers, such as um, uh, somebody. Oop, somebody asking, why is this project one of the most exciting of your entire career? And this person says, I feel like I must be one of the luckiest guys on the planet because this has such an amazing ambition, but it's not about developing cities and creating a livable city environment for people. It's also about an incredible commitment to the protection and the presentation of nature. In fact, our cities will have a net benefit to nature. Okay, well, can we um, just call it on that? <laughs> yeah. Because I, 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 I both have to go and also I'm not sure I have much more to add that isn't just like yeah, going wild. down the rabbit hole of like more inane shit that people have to say about this situation. I just love it. I love, yeah. I love everything about where we're going as a species. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Everything's great. Feel amazing. Where are we going to put a billion displaced people from climate change? Put them in a hyper expensive building where no one has a job in the middle of the desert. Yes, right. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, you know, this has been another episode in the fascinating cultural differences between nation states on the planet Amer- uh, planet USA, planet <laughs> planet Earth, planet, planet Earth. Saudi Arabia, planet I, Germany. I have a um I have a random tip for living well in hell. You do? Yes. What is you it? You can actually live there pretty soon by 2030. It's called the line. It's called the line. All right. Test your metal. Test your metal. Live the line. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Well, if it does get if it does get built, look for uh, Meg and Ned wandering around with microphones and headphones on, trying to contextualize the line for the rest of humanity. Oh my God, we (laughs) totally will too. There'll be a FCBM or feature creep colon built in micro. I mean, speak of like feature creep. Holy shit! That's Um, why I wanted to share this with you. Like this has everything. It says it right on the tin. Everything, everywhere, all of the time. Yeah. Yes. 
Okay, fantastic. Um, okay. Also, I heard that's a really good movie. Uh, I have not seen it yet, but oh yeah, I said it the other day to Dan, our friend Dan, and he I got the title wrong, but he thought it was like kind of a funny title mix up because it actually pertained to something about the movie, which I oh didn't yeah know, and ha, yeah. Ha, ha. Anyway, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. But maybe when we watch it, we can uh, chat, 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 chat. That would be good. We can do a review. Yes, we'll review. Okay. All right. We'll go back to your job. I mean, obviously, you don't live in the line because you have one. So Yes. Yeah, obviously, I do. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't live in the line. Or do. But probably you You won't because it's not going to exist. If you do, write us an email about how excited you are about living in the line. Invite us in. Invite us in. Okay. 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 Bye. Bye.